0: Posture. I would just love us to continue having our eyes closed and picturing the security of how, like a little girl, we can run boldly into our daddy's lap. He's big and he's great. He's kind. He's not like any human we've ever met. He's perfect and pure and his heart toward us is perfect and it is pure. Play with his beard if we want we can pull on his robe we can giggle we can try to poke at him and make him laugh you have absolute freedom to come into your daddy's presence the cross made us adopted daughters so we belong no matter what our behavior we are sealed in the blood of Jesus until the day of redemption Our name is tattooed on our Father. My name is written on His hand. It's not going anywhere. So we just want to embrace that feeling of being secure and safe and able to be ourselves. If that's, I need a hug right now, I need comfort, I need to rest, I need to just be silly and playful your need is your perfect father delights to meet that need you never earn it you never deserve it he's just daddy our righteousness is as filthy rags so we might as well not even try but let's let his righteousness the righteousness Christ gave us at the cross become our identity I am righteous because Jesus died for me. I'm going to receive that by faith because maybe some days I don't feel righteous, but it was never my righteousness to begin with. So as a righteous daughter, I'm going to come boldly. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to see all the angels. I'm going to see all the glory and I'm going to say, daddy, I need a hug today. Father, I need somebody to be close because right now I feel alone in my circumstance. So I'm just going to trust that you're right here hugging and kissing and playing with me and twirling my hair and listening to my stories. And you get it. And you're soft. And you care. You may give me pep talks and say, Okay, pumpkin, enough. Staying in the mullet grubs, you're going to get up now. You're going to do it when I'm ready. You don't force us. You're not demanding. You're not mean. And you're not an employer that just wants good works. Otherwise, Jesus didn't need to come if it was about our good works. So we don't need to add to anything Jesus did on the cross. His work is perfect. And like the picture God gave me, that even if I was in a coma and I never did anything good for him, He is lovesick for his girls. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't do anything to make him go, oh, now she's she's good enough. That's a lie from the enemy, and it's based on a performance-based approval. So if we need to come out of agreement with approval-based approval, let's do that in our hearts real quick. Hey, Papa Bear, I think I need to come out of agreement with some stuff. And I need to come into agreement that you like me, you love me, you enjoy me, and you delight in me. Just because I'm your daughter. And that whole adopted into the family, that's permanent. I've had a blood transfusion. It's no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. My DNA is now in Christ. So it's even an upgrade from adoption. (laughs) Because now I'm in his bloodline. That's pretty secure. My dad's not going anywhere. He's not letting us go. He's got our back. And even when, like the Israelites, they have the water of you know, the river before them and they have the enemy coming from Egypt behind and they feel like they're walled in. And many times we feel like before me is a rock and behind me is a hard place. I don't have anywhere to turn. Oh my gosh, Lord, where are you? Well, he was also in that glory cloud, right? In one of the versions in the Old Testament, it talks about how his fire was bringing light to the camp of the Israelites and it was bringing darkness to the Egyptians so that while he was working their miracle before them to blow the wind overnight because it takes time there's always going to be process with the Lord that as that was blowing as he's preparing my miracle he's holding the enemy the hard thing behind me he's holding it back it's there (laughs) and I'm aware of it he doesn't take it away but how amazing that he has hedged us in, that he has us under his glory cloud as the enemy is held at bay and we cross into our promised land. we cross into that destiny on dry ground and we are not consumed. That thing we think impossible in front of us, it does not consume us, but he brings us to the other side and praise the Lord, the enemy pursues and he is drowned. So whatever you feel like is hounding you, whatever you feel like that nagging thing, you can't get rid of whatever addiction, whatever mindset, whatever thought, whatever relationship, whatever, whatever, whatever God has such a plan that even in the tight spot where it feels like I'm between a hard place and a rock that even there, he's preparing a miracle. Just be faithful, trust in his goodness and walk forward he's holding back a whole bunch of stuff that we're not even aware of that could have overtaken us. So just wait on that miracle, believing something sparkly and fabulous will happen. I just haven't seen it yet. So we live in the eternal yet of maybe not right now, God, but yet. And that's where hope is birthed. But I can't have hope in the midst of a trial, a storm, and all that stuff, if I don't have trust. So if it's based on me being able to hang on to God, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get weak. I'm not going to be able to do it. But if it's based on God holding me, oh, it's a lot more secure. Oh, that's a fabulous feeling. And I just grab onto that pinky. That he's wrapping that arm around me. Because his hand is much bigger. We can only probably get a tiny bit of him, but he's securely holding us. And so I'd love for you to repeat after me Daddy, you're holding me. You've got this. And you've got me. I am secure in Christ, I am stable you've got me no matter what's behind and no matter what's in my future you are the god who walks with me through it and you clear the path before i even get there and sometimes it feels like i'm putting my water in the rush my foot in the rushing waters But I know that that water will part. And at the right time, the kingdom of God will be advanced. And I'll get to see the right arm of the Lord do mighty things. In my life, in my family's life, my children's life, my church, my city, my neighborhood my nation and whatever nation God sends me to next he's got a big right arm and my God is strong and he will take care of me no matter what until the day of my death or my fiance comes back I know that I am secure I rest in that knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. (sighs) So we know as a psychologist that I cannot give anything that I have not first received, right? So we've covered that ground. So one of the things that we see a lot Is if I'm trying to give something to others or to myself and I haven't received it. So kind of that same ground that we've covered of, I sure need to learn how to receive certain things from God first. So when we were singing that song about I'll never let you go, that's awesome. But I can't love him. I can't not let him go if I don't first know that he's doing it for me. Right? So I need to know that I know that I know that he's doing it. So kind of like if I didn't have a very good relationship with Debbie and she's putting this conference on and I'm just kind of like a guest and, you know, if I was kind of unsure what she felt about me, I'm going to be a lot more uncomfortable, right? I'm going to be like, Hey, how are you doing? You know? And truthfully at the beginning, even though I do know Debbie, I was like, I don't want her to see that I'm insecure because I want her to have, you know, to be proud and to be glad that she picked me to speak, you know, like don't let her know your insecurities and all that stuff. But my mom's on a prayer team with her. So of course she tells her there goes my facade of professional So if I have that insecure unstable, there's a lot more of me that's gonna hide, right? I'm gonna put on a different. uh, Yeah, I've got this We're good a lot more of that As opposed to if debbie's just like you've got this. I believe in you. I'm so proud of you You can do it, you know which she has been doing which praise the lord for this woman that she has um I'm going to be like, Oh, I love you too, Debbie. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. And out of the abundance of my heart. I'm going to want to do it back. Right? Because in the context of relationship, I can't help but smile and get giddy and get happy and excited as well. And I want to praise her. I want to validate her. I want to point out, well, you guys look at all the amazing things she's done. Cause she did it first. Right? That's what God does is he's like, I've got you. I've got you you're secure in me. I'm the lover of your soul. I vote for you. I'm cheering you on. I really do think that there's a cheering section in heaven and they have like pom-poms and they're like, "Yay, you can do it. Let's go for it guys. He's so crazy about us. He's good and he's gentle and he's kind and he's so faithful. And if I know he's cheering me on, I'm going to act like huh, I love you too. Like, let's do this together. Like, I'm so confident. I'm so jazzed. Like, yeah, Lord, you're so exciting. And I love being with you too. As opposed to if I don't know how God feels about me, if I think maybe he likes me today because I did my quiet time or he doesn't really like me tomorrow because maybe I had that cigarette that I wasn't supposed to have or maybe I, you know, had whatever that I wasn't supposed to do, whatever. Now I'm not so secure and now I kind of want to, I kind of want to a little bit pull back and kind of show the good side of me, right? I want to show the parts that he's going to like. And yes, I'm going to do all the good things. I'm going to, like in my metaphor, I'm going to call Debbie. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be, all my works will look the exact same because that's my nature. I'm going to do a good job no matter what. But when I had the freedom in relationship from her to just love on me and praise me and say, good job, you, yay, yay, yay. (sighs) Oh. Well, then here's what I'm really struggling with. Would you really help me with this? (laughs) I mean, I got so like, yeah, when there's that freedom in relationship, if it's already stable, it's already secure. If I'm beyond a shadow of a doubt that she likes me, I can be me because I know there's nothing I'm going to do that's going to weird her out. There's probably things I could do, but (laughs) with God, he already is convinced that he likes me, that he likes me, that he likes me. He likes you, that he likes you, that he likes you. Because that's how a dad is. We don't get disinherited and disowned. Maybe in this life with natural parents, but not with our heavenly dad, right? I mean, he's pretty serious about that whole saved in the day of redemption, you know, Holy Spirit, I got my engagement ring. By the way, when the Lord did that, I literally now feel an engagement ring always on this finger. So as somebody who's never been married, and that's a desire of my heart, it is the coolest thing whenever I do something, I sense the presence of the presence of the Lord on this finger. Like, I just feel like I'm married. And people tell me all the time, they're like, oh, so how long have you been married? Blah, 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 blah. Because you have a demeanor of somebody who feels like they're married. I'm not, I've never been. I, my longest relationship, let's not even go there. Like, <laughs> so actually I have a secure stability of knowing who I am as a woman, as a daughter, as a beloved, as a favorite one. And the Lord gives me a physical reminder after that time in Hawaii when I I went through a ceremony with the Lord, just he and I, where it just felt like I married him. And I don't think that means I'm not going to get married in the natural, but it does mean that he's my first love. He's my first husband. He's always the one I go to first. So it doesn't mean we, you know, leave our husbands or anything, but that we stay in our secure, stable relationship with our first love, fullness. Then my husband, my boyfriend, my friends, all those people... Their are abundance because oh, I'm secure and I'm stable and I feel good all the time. You know, I have my bumpy days, of course, but that's when I know how to get back into alignment much faster than I used to when I would stay down forever and then my mindset would agree with it. So then it would be self-sabotaging and then I'd go back into old behaviors and things to make myself feel well, right? So as we're daughters, my encouragement to you is anytime you hear something that's like, I love you. I'll never let you go. God, I've got your back. Or you feel this warm, lovey feeling. Believe first that it's coming from him first because we can't give unless we've received. So I need to welcome that in. Beth Moore is one of my faves. And she says that every time she's like, oh, God, I just love you. God, I just love you. And she said the Lord spoke to her and said, stop saying that. Say, I love you back. Because he spoke it first. We cannot give to him anything he has not given first. So if I feel a lovey feeling to him, it's like, I love you back. You love me. Ah, pretty sunset. Ah, thank you for that gift. You love me. I love you too. It's easier to give and to receive when I'm already full. And I'm not trying to do my Bible study or my good thing, you know, on an empty love tank. But I need to be full when I come to the Lord. And so I'm like, okay, God, I receive. You know, sometimes I'll lay on the floor. Sometimes I'll drive. And I'll just let worship music play over me. And that's part of me just feeling myself back up. And then I'll change the words so that it's him singing to me. Because I know I can't give him what I haven't received first. Right? I'm not that great. I mean, he's God. And <laughs> I'm this little vessel. And so I'm always needing to come to him hungry. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So if I'm full and I'm like, okay, well, I'll do this for you, Lord. And, you know, I'll have my quiet time and I'll do my Bible study. I'll check all this off. That's nice. That's great. But you miss some relationship components on the way. Wouldn't it be sweet if first I'm like, ah, you really love me. You really get me. You think my quirks are adorable. Even when other people think they're crazy. He thinks we're so cute. And he's charmed by us. He delights in us. How precious of the Lord to think all these things about us. And out of the abundance, again, I can't help but give it back. Because my heart is so lovesick. And so my hope is that in psychology, we would call this a secure attachment style. So the first night, we talked about our God image and our relationship with God and all of that. And how my God image, how I view that image I have of God is going to determine how I approach him. Is he nice and good and kind of stern? Um, Is he approachable? Is he not approachable? Is God like kind of moody and you can't read him and you don't know if you're coming or going with him? That's going to all depend how you're going to approach him. Do I need to kind of like hang back? I'm not sure what he thinks about me. So like with Debbie, I'm going to be like, yeah, I've got this together. Don't worry, you know, and I'm just going to perform and I'm going to do a really good job. So Debbie doesn't get concerned or worried or like how my prayer is a little girl. Don't worry, God, I've got this. Don't worry. I've got this. That shows a distorted God image. If I've got this, I don't need a savior. (laughs) Why did I stop needing a savior the day of salvation? I'm pretty sure I'm going to need him every day as he's taking me from glory to glory. I don't not need him the rest of my life. I have an absolute need and dependence every day because every day he takes me on a new mountain, a new impossible, a new Goliath, a new thing that I'm like, Whoa, Lord, and then you throw in hormones. I mean, so unfair, right? It's really unfair. And so you just talk to him about it. And you be in relationship with the lover of your soul who's like, I get it. You know, Jesus maybe didn't have the hormone parts like we do. But somehow he is aware of every affliction that we've gone through. At the cross, he bore everything we would ever go through. Every loneliness, every rejection, every abandonment, every disappointment. Every Judas person who's just betrayed us for no good reason. When you've loved somebody to death and you did all the right things and they still... Kiss you on the cheek and betray you. He didn't deserve that, right? But he's a man who's very, very aware as he's interceding for us right now with the father going, yeah, I get that. I so get that. That hurts. Yeah. And he validates. So we can go to him and be like, I'm insecure. I'm sad. She hurt my feelings. God, here's a loneliness that I'd love you to meet. I can come with so much boldness. Because I already know he likes me I'm already secure in the relationship So I get to bring all of me to him These chambers I don't need those anymore To kind of hide the uncute parts of me So part of what this metaphor is to represent Is how women A lot of times we have very tidy Pretty, clean You know, we dress nice We take care of everything In our world, everything is very, you know But behind, we have all kinds of junk That we don't want to address And we don't want to go there So let's ignore that. Let's not go there. Uh Uh-uh. That's fine. That time, Lori, back then, yeah, let's not go there, shall we? I don't want to talk about all that dredge it up. And he's like, love bug, that is an area I would love to pour out my love. I'd love to give you even a new perspective on that. Because maybe, like we've said before, maybe that's part of your destiny. Maybe that's an area of overcoming whatever abuse, addiction, Sadness, depression, you know, anything that as a human we go through, he's like, Sweet pea, if you'll open that area to me, I'm not only going to heal it, I'm now going to redeem it, and you're going to take captives back from the enemy. Because it's not always just about us, right? He's in love with us, he's crazy about us, but we're also marching forward, we're taking territory. So if the enemy can get me so self-absorbed of, yeah, well, I don't really have worth. And, you know, I mean, gosh, I keep messing up. I'm such a screw up and blah, blah, blah. My eyesight is here. I'm not advancing the kingdom at all. People are looking at me and they're not asking about the hope of glory. They're going, oh, gosh, you need a little help, you know? Or we become Pollyanna Christians where it's like, praise the Lord, sister. Yeah, you know, going through that divorce or that cancer or that whatever in my life. But hallelujah, praise the Lord. That doesn't please God either. He's very authentic. Jesus was very real with the 12. Super real with the three. He unveiled himself, unzipped his earth suit, and we got to see the actual glory. He's so authentic. He loves relationship. He doesn't want girls that just praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And on the inside, our heart is breaking. Or we're walling off areas going, yeah, that's disappointment. And disappointment, like I've said before, is one of the bigger things that will just kind of wall off an area of our heart without us even being aware. And it happens so easily. We have these expectations that God will come through this way or this person will come through this way. It'll look this way. And when it doesn't, It just crushes us because we had hope, right? We had hope that something was going to work out a certain way. And it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so when I have disappointments and I just go, oh no, Lord, it's not that big of a deal. I understand. And I kind of rationalize away and I do my good Christian thing and say, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Praise the Lord. Anyway, you know, hallelujah. And I do all of that. I'm walling off an area. Instead of letting him come in, love on me, minister, redeem that area and give me a new perspective on it. There are so many things that we walk through that we just kind of function, right? We just got to get to the next thing. We have tasks. We're busy. We live in a very fast-paced culture. And our heart is so easy to just kind of take a whole lot of dings and hits and all kinds of stuff and stuff get walled off before we even know it. We just know the fruit later of God feels far. Or Man, my spiritual life's kind of dry. Or man, I notice my mood does this a lot. That's all the abundance of my city not being connected with the Lord, right? So our first night, we talked about our relationship with the Lord. And depending on my God image is going to depend on the way I relate with him. Right? So that's going to determine my attachment style. For most humans, we have pretty insecure attachment styles. Kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of performance-based attachment styles. As opposed to, I'm just secure and you just like me. Right? And so as we recognize this... That's where we now know, huh, that's my area of spiritual warfare. It's not just the crazy battle going on, but it's the area in my heart, the territory in my heart, because the issues of the heart, right, they spring forth through the mouth. So if I'm not taking care of the issues of my heart, then I'm going to have a whole lot of stuff going on that I'm unaware of. So we first need to take care of the territory with our heart, our spiritual relationship with the lover of our souls to receive all that good stuff he wants to give. So then we can start being sisters who treat ourselves how daddy treats us. I can't help but be nice to myself because that's what I hear him being all the time. And truthfully, it's not like I hear a voice, like an audible voice, like Shannon, you're so awesome. You're a rock star. (laughs) I don't hear that, but I have a feeling. And so with my inner, my narrative, I come into agreement with it, and I use Shannon language because he talks to me in ways that I get it. Right? Just like parables, Jesus would apply it to a culture that they get it. He's very contextual, and he knows in my personality that I have liberty to use my narrative to believe that feeling that I have is that secure attachment. And so I use my inner voice, and I go, Shannon, God loves you. God's proud of you. And there's days where it doesn't feel like it. There's days where my life is hard as anything. And I go through a lot of hard stuff. I'm smiling and cute right now, but my life is not always cutesy cutesy, right? And so those are the days that now I go march and I say it is written that I am the beloved of Christ, (laughs) that you think I'm awesome. On those days, that's where it's warfare. I'm fighting over the territory of my heart because that's my city. That's my stewardship. And if I don't take care of my heart, The enemy's like, well, thank you. I appreciate that, you know? And I would really like to kick him in the teeth. So I'm going to take as many people healed, sanctified, praising the Lord, on fire, redeemed, and living in abundance so that they take a whole bunch so that we can get back at him. That's the best form of revenge. It's not just, get him. It's like, okay, you've done that? All right, I'm getting souls over here. You see that? You see that, buddy? So our relationship with the Lord is going to determine my relationship with self. Now, out of the way I treat myself, I'm going to now relate with other people. And so that's my all the around me people, my enemies, my friends, my strangers, the people that I'm just tolerating. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) That was a joke. Um, There's all these people now around me, right? Right. Because if the Lord's heart is really about things and performance, all that stuff's going to burn up. Like maybe that's not really where his treasure is. Maybe it's with people. And if I know the secret that I can't receive what I haven't, mm -mm, I can't give what I haven't received first. Our sisters are the exact same way, right? And brothers. But we're at a women's conference. That I can't receive it unless it's been given. And so maybe I can be that living Jesus to somebody else. That I can serve them. That I can love them. That I can cheer them on. That I can be like, wow, I think God thinks you're great. Wow. I just really feel this strong feeling of love toward you when I walked by you. I know I'm a stranger and that's completely weird for me to say. But hey, I think this is true. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe we could be the Jesus with with flesh on. For other people to have a corrective experience with the Lord, that when we get set free, we can't help but want to take other people with us. When God brought me at 19 out of a whole bunch of stuff, I said, oh my gosh, Lord, I want everyone to have this. I dropped my major, I changed everything in my life, and I said, let's do this. Because my God did it for me. I want everyone to experience this. And I'm going to kick the enemy because he's hurt me too long. And he's hurt my loved ones too long. And so now I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to say, girls, let's all do it together. Let's all live in abundance. And then let's all do it in our own lives at home, right? Statistically, we are the least kind with our family members. We're so much more polite to open doors for strangers, to greet them with the bulletin at church, to do all the nice things. What about the people at our own home? Wouldn't it be nice if they weren't getting the snarly version of us at home? (laughs) That we're safe with them, so we tend to show them the other sides. And it's like, wow, wouldn't that be cool if we could live so much in abundance that then out of the abundance of my heart, I'm like, hey, I love you. That comment... That wasn't very nice and I don't appreciate it, but I still think you're fabulous. And I'm going to separate right now because I don't want to hear any more of those comments. <laughs> Instead of, well, you're a jerk too. Why did I even marry you? <laughs> being a Christian and being loving does not mean we don't have boundaries and that we don't have wisdom, right? We all know that. Psychologists, I'm definitely going to say, have wisdom in your relationships. But we also don't need to be ugly about it. So there's a book on boundaries on the table, Cloud and Townsend, it's a good one. There's boundaries for everything, parenting, all kinds of stuff. So recognizing as the steward, I don't have to let people treat me a certain way, right? As the steward, I get to decide what I'm going to hear and what I'm not. So a good boundary that they help us in that book is, okay, well, if you're going to continue to talk like that, I'm going to leave the room because I'm not going to you know, participate in this conversation. I'm not going to listen to this. But if you'd like to change the topic, I'd love to stay and let's continue to chat. The other person has the choice. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm not stepping into control. I'm not manipulating anybody. I'm just saying, hey, as the steward of my city, I don't want my city getting filled with a whole bunch of stuff that's not good for it. If I'm now working on my God image that I'm loved, that I'm beautiful, I'm precious, I'm important, if that's my stance in spiritual warfare right now where I believe the truth God says about me and I listen to somebody who just pours filth into me, that's going to be muddy waters, right? I'm going to be hearing a whole bunch of conflicting things and it's going to be so much harder to receive the next time God wants to give it. It doesn't mean we do anything rash, but it does mean that we start praying, We start seeking God, and then we start reading resources. We talk to people. One of the best things the enemy does is to isolate. And we praise the Lord, praise the Lord, but then we never talk to anybody about a lot of stuff that we're dealing with. And that is a very sly tactic, right? Because it's very easy to pick off the isolated, the one by themselves. So there's a lot of shame if we've gone through abuse or we have spouses who are doing certain things or my kids are doing certain things because you're going to judge me as a mom or as a wife or as a whatever. If I've got all that stuff going on, I sure should come into agreement with some godly people who are going to give me wise counsel, who are going to love me, who are going to pray for me. If while I was preparing for this conference, I really did encounter a lot of warfare. I mean, even in my dreams, I mean, it was just like a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff was going on, right? If I didn't open up and say, hey, guys, I need prayer. My life would have been so much harder than it needed to be. And people would wake up and call or text and be like, hey, just want you to know I'm praying for you. Oh, there would be this peace. So that whole thing about let's have a perfect image and let's not tell people or it's dishonoring to talk about stuff in our home life. That's a lie, and it's a way to keep us isolated, away from prayer, away from support, away from encouragement, and people who may have a word of wisdom to help encourage us with some practical insight. It doesn't mean we broadcast it and we say, well, I'm just married to a pig of a man anyway. (laughs) That's not what that looks like, obviously. We can still be ladies. But we pray into, God, who are my board of directors? Who are the people in my life, my safe harbor, that I can chat with, that I know will keep my confidence That will not necessarily be judging or thinking bad of the person, but it is not wise for any of us to ever isolate, right? Because if I'm a body of Christ, if I'm just a pinky, it's going to be real hard to get me anywhere, right? I need to link arms with some people that can help me. So even I hear this a lot as Christians, it's like a shame to go to counseling because it's like, oh, God should be enough. Jesus should be enough. Oh my gosh, if you just had faith more, if you just prayed harder, if you were just more another Bible study, whoo, how many Bible studies have we had? And we haven't gotten victory in that area. God's also given us practical wisdom where we start going, okay, Lord, if I keep hitting the same wall, maybe I need to open my net of other options. That may be girlfriends, that might be counsel at church, that might be going to counseling, that might be whatever a thousand options. But if I just isolate and I keep it to myself and I have this shame thing of like, oh, if somebody know that, then they'll judge me. They'll judge him. Oh, my gosh. I don't want that. You know, he's a respected person. And the sad thing is, is in my office, I see a lot of people in ministry that are so broken. And I think people in ministry, just like all of us, like they have a real call in their life, but they're also not Jesus. Right. So if they don't deal with their own stuff, those are open doors. Right? And we have enough examples of people who passionately love Jesus. But those open doors, if not dealt with, and I let that creep in, and I let that creep in, before I know it, that's going to consume my city. They said even with um, the guy, the big, is it Ted Haggard? Something like that. They said that he, his church knew about it for a full year and didn't intervene in the activities. They didn't have him sit down. So that means at his young man, you back up his story. If certain little things in our city aren't dealt with, remember that compassionate God, not the mad God, the compassionate God's going, lovey, that's not good for you. That's going to lead to destruction. If we don't deal with it now, it's only getting harder later. You have a call on your life. You have natural gifts and natural talents. You have anointing. You're going to do great things. But if we don't close some of those doors, I have legal access where the enemy has permission to mess with me. And now when it's public and everybody can see it's the delight of the enemy to be able to make another laughing stock out of somebody who genuinely does love the Lord. And I a hundred percent believe that man loves the Lord. It's not a lack of love, but it is a stewardship issue. He said he had those struggles for years, never dealt with, right? And then his inner circle of people that knew about it, they didn't love him enough to say, brother, we need to have you sit down right now. You need to work through this. You need to go through a process. So now all the secular world, the media gets to laugh and point and dismiss every good thing he ever did, which were awesome. The man's an incredible man. That doesn't change with the fact that he sinned. All of us sin, right? We all better not throw the first stone because he's done great things for the kingdom of God. We honor him. We respect the work that the evangelists and the pastors and preachers and the people that have gone before us, what they've done. But I better love me and love my sisters enough to point stuff out in love at the appropriate time, spirit-led, not just, hey, you better deal with that. But in love, go, hey, sweetie, I'm not sure if you're aware, but sometimes there's a critical tone to your voice. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, I'm not sure, you know, whatever that issue. It just seems like shopping has become more of, a, more of an issue these days. Is there something going on? If unchecked, well, she could get a crazy credit card, you know, and now she can't pay her bills. And now, with a whole bunch of bill collectors chasing her, she's stressed out, anxious, worried. Maybe she's now late. Now she loses her car, and now she can't get to work. She gets fired, and now can't pay her rent, and she's going, why does bad things always happen to me? So, oh, unfair. Was she stewarding her resources well to begin with? Were we watching and going, well, uh, it's just her thing. That's her quirk. In love, I sure hope somebody, in a very nice way, comes <laughs> to me <laughs> and says, I love you enough to point out something. And praise God, I do have people who are watchmen on my wall because we all have blind spots. And we can deceive ourselves, the heart is deceptively wicked. Who can know it? I can't even know my own heart. There's stuff God's constantly going, hey, highlighter, (laughs) just letting you know. (laughs) That one's not good for you. (laughs) You don't have to live like that. Because I would hate to just allow and tolerate a whole bunch of stuff that then maybe one day I do fabulous stuff with God, but it's all dismissed. It's a laughing stock because I didn't steward what he had given me to begin with, my city, my heart, my inner world, in such a way that now the enemy is like, ha ah. <laughs> I don't want that. And I don't want it for any of us because God has a call and a destiny and his gifts are without repentance. <laughs> Meaning when you were born, he said, talent, gift, yours, it's yours. Even the unsaved have gifts, right? It's talents. It's stuff that's put at birth. We all have a propensity towards something. So you'll see people with great influence probably have a great call on their life that maybe they didn't use for the Lord because I can do whatever I want, right? That's stewardship. He's standing at the door knocking. He's like, I'd love to help with that. I'm right here. I have a gift basket to help in this season, but I'm like, nah, I got this. (laughs) I don't need to prepare. I mean, I don't need to spend time with the Lord for the most part. When they've interviewed a lot of people who've fallen in ministry, a lot of times they said their gift and their talent was so good, they didn't really need to spend time with the Lord that much. It was just kind of like, let's just do this. Yeah, I got this. I'm good. That's a little bit of pride because I don't got this in my good grammar right there. I sure want to keep that door open because my BFF, the lover of my soul, is going to go, hey, Shannon, watch out. There's stuff coming. Hey, be careful. Hey, be careful about who you're even sharing the deep parts of your heart with, right? Because it says that we don't want to cast our pearls before swine. Not that we're calling people in particular swine. But there's some people who may not know how to steward our heart in a way that keeps it safe. Not everybody has gone through their own healing process. And so not everybody gets to keep that inner place with me, right? So one of the most important things the Lord's definitely talked to me about is the difference between forgiveness and trust So if you haven't noticed we've talked about my relationship with God Relationship with self now relationship with people. That's where we're at. Just catch up Um, so in my relationship with people they're going to fail. They're going to disappoint They're they're going to do the wrong thing. They're going to say yeah, yeah, let's do it and then they don't It's going to hurt my feelings. It's going to happen. That's life, right? So now it's my stewardship of my city to go, gosh, I don't want to be friends with her anymore. Or, oh, it's okay, and totally ignore the fact that that really hurt my feelings and just kind of like placate, right, because that's kind of people-pleasing and not address an issue. That's not good stewardship either, because now the next time they do it, it's just kind of adding, and next time they do it, it's adding again and adding again, and before I know it, I'm like, pea eyed green, and I explode. Or I just stop talking to them. Huh, show you. Is that really fair if I've never confronted them in love the first time? If I've told all my circle of girlfriends and never actually talked to the person? That's not really fair, right? Because even if they are doing it on purpose, right? Biblically, I should still have a voice and say, hey, not sure you're aware of this. Love you dearly. But when this behavior happens, it really hurts my feelings or affects me. I'm not sure if anyone's brought that to your attention. But as a sister, I love you. They can get huffy and puffy. They can be mean. They can be mad. Or they can be like, oh, my gosh, no one's ever told me that. And I've had so many opportunities where people live with a very difficult person, and I'm the first person in their life who's ever told them that they're hard to talk to sometimes. And I'm as gentle as they come. I'm like, hey, not sure if you wear this. You know, like just letting you know a little bit of feet. Like I so don't want to hurt people's feelings. Like I'm mercy and encourager and I want to see the best about everybody. So it's difficult for me. But for that person, it was self-reflection. They went and now they asked a bunch of people and they're like, is that true? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So then for us as sisters... Why didn't we share with them? You know? Because I would sure want someone to share with me. Hey, Shannon, I don't know if you know this, but this might be an area where even if not now, maybe in the future that might trip you up. Good to know. Thank you. I'm not going to receive everything, right? I'm going to always take it to the Lord. I'm always going to ask his opinion. Because some people could be operating their whole thing and you're not doing it the way they want you to do it. Maybe they're going to give feedback based on that. And as a free daughter, I don't have to receive everything, right? But I sure want my dad's opinion on anything I am hearing. Because I'm secure in my relationship knowing he likes me no matter what. That conviction is sweet. Repentance is like the coolest thing ever. It's so quick. I just go, huh? Lord, I just realized this. He's like, I know, it's been there a while, lovey. <laughs> But I'm like, wow, God, I can just repent of this really quickly, come out of agreement with it, renew my mind, come into agreement with what you say, and now I choose to walk that out in my daily life. I'm not going to be perfect, and I'm going to give myself a whole lot of grace, especially if it's a new area. But I don't have to condemn myself and feel bad and be like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I've so failed you. You never not failed him to begin, you know? It's just like, you're a diamond. (laughs) That's it. And he's just revealing rocks little at a time. So we want to be receptive to feedback and we want to give feedback with people that we love and people that we trust. So forgiveness, going back to what I said about really important thing, forgiveness, when somebody hurts my feelings, I, ref- I forgive quickly. Because Jesus said, and I think he's pretty smart, he said, whenever I don't forgive, my sins won't be forgiven. So unforgiveness means now that's directly affecting my relationship with the Lord. My whole relationship with God is based on the fact that I'm forgiven. So if I'm not now receiving forgiveness, that's going to be a pretty dry place. That's going to be a rough place for me. And I can say, well, I'm right. They shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. I can say that all day, and I can feel really good about that. But I'm still having a legal access point where the enemy is like, ha, ha, thank you, (laughs) appreciate it. And then I'm the one that suffers. They hurt me to begin with. And now my life gets flipped upside down because I'm inviting torment, right? Jesus said that the unmerciful servant who'd been forgiven so much, who then to the one who had just a small debt wouldn't forget him, is now handed over to the tormentor till till he could pay off his debt. So that means I've now legally given permission for torment in my life. I was abused. I was neglected. I was hurt. I was abandoned. I was whatever. And now I get torment. So don't want that. Right? I want to forgive, not because it was okay, not because I trust them, not because I'm giving permission, but because I want a quality of life where I have peace where I crawl on my dad's lap knowing I'm forgiven of all my stuff. I'm in right relationship with him. And I receive comfort. I receive nurturance. I receive validation. I receive the fact that he's like, you're right, that's not okay. And I'm sad that you're sad. I'm hurt that you're hurt. I'm angry that you're angry. And I'm with you. And I receive it. Heals my heart. And what used to be an open scar in my heart, kind of this emotional wound that's just open, and psychologically, we know, by the way, that if I have an open wound somewhere on the inside of me, unrelated things can now trigger that feeling, and now I hyper-respond to the next thing. Kind of like we were talking about submission, right? If submission and authority and all those things have been used poorly in my past, even have no fault of my own, but now because that's an open wound, it's unhealed, Every time somebody even remotely gets near that authority place in my life or I'm really easy and sensitive to be wary, I'm really easy to cut relationships off, I'm really easy to, you know, whatever that wound is, it's going to affect my current, and that's where we would use the word self-fulfilling prophecy. The very thing I fear comes upon me. That subconsciously I'm acting in a way with other people that ends up, Causing the very thing that I fear that I'm trying to protect myself from but because I'm using self protection instead of God protection It's gonna fail, right? I'm gonna do it in a way that ends up sabotaging or pulling away or makes me codependent Where I have to have that person or that thing to make me feel okay in the world So that heart condition is pretty important Forgiveness in and of itself is one of the biggest things that I do with people Lots of other stuff, but there's even things we can forgive the Lord We have unforgiveness to the Lord all the time and don't even realize it. Some of those disappointments, some of those things, God, you know, I put years into this business. God, I put years into this ministry, this call I put, you know, I poured myself, I, where are you? I thought this was you. What's going on. If I don't go to him with that heart and let him heal and minister and bring his healing South, that's an open wound. And my heart doesn't feel safe with him. Because the next time I'm supposed to risk, the next time I'm supposed to put my foot in the Jordan River, the next time whatever happens, I want to pull back. It doesn't feel safe. You didn't have my back last time. If I have that belief, that's now going to hinder me fear with fear. And I'm not going to risk. I'm not going to go into my destiny, my promised land. When we know that there's a lot of reasons right? When the Israelites went in to the promised land, they had Jericho. Phenomenal. Praise the Lord. Yay. Next couple battle, right? I'm not sure which number, but there's a battle. I think right after that is Achan, I think, who hides something. So there's an area of idolatry, right? Where he kept the sacred thing that was supposed to be destroyed. So if we use Israel as a metaphor for our own heart, That means maybe I'm like, yeah, 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 but maybe there's one part of me back here that's going, "Mm, little disobedience here is not going to affect anything. Little bit of holding back, little idolatry, little manipulation, no biggie. Maybe my life doesn't go as well the next go around, the next fight. I can get mad at God all day long but it's only affecting me, it's only walling off my city, cutting me off from the lover of my soul who's going to keep me full, who's going to give me guidance on how to move forward, I'm going to be like, whoa, not so sure you're safe, not sure you have my back. Or I can go, hey, God, what happened? Lord, that was disappointing. That hurt my feelings. I'm angry at you. I have sadness. God, I'm so disappointed. What happened? And I can bring all of that to him. As the perfect therapist, and he totally gets it. He listens, and then as a good therapist, he's going to provide feedback, and maybe he's not always going to tell us why something happens, but he's going to provide a new perspective, right? So when I was little, told you that I was molested, right? So in my early years of college, that had never been dealt with. It was one of those memories that was repressed for me. And so I just knew I had guy issues, but I didn't know why. Right. So our brain protects us. That was a part of me that was held back in a safe room, a chamber, because that wasn't safe to go there. Right. So now I'm with a bunch of girlfriends and we're praying. And um, and the one girl who's praying over everybody, she pointed to my friend and she's like, oh, I just see this picture of you as this little girl. And you're in white and you're beautiful and you're just dancing and you just look so free. And I just feel like the Lord really loves you. And the girl was just like, oh, that's so sweet. Thanks so much. Starts prophesying over me. (laughs) And she's like, I see you hiding. I see you as a scared little girl and you're hiding. And people aren't seeing the real you. You're back there somewhere and there's these chambers, you know. I'm hidden. I'm in a safe place of Shannon self-protection without even knowing it. I didn't even remember it. God revealed it through a process. And so what the Lord did is he took that little hiding girl and he brought light where there was darkness and where there's light, darkness cannot abide there within. So he started chasing away a whole bunch of dark things. But when they asked me, Shannon, what view, of, what view do you have now that that memory has come back? The first view I had is uh, the act was happening. And behind me was um, Jesus. And he was just standing there apathetic. And he's like, yeah, that's happening. That's cool. Whatever. Not my business. They're like, okay, well, that's a distorted God image. So when the Lord showed that, it's, oh my gosh, subconsciously, that was my view, that God was, maybe he's there, but he doesn't have my back. He's not going to protect me. Bad things are going to happen, but he's not going to intervene. No wonder it was a real hard relationship and there was a lot of disconnect and my heart didn't feel connected with his, right? Right. The second image, so I repented of that. I said, I come out of agreement with the lie that God is apathetic or distant or there, but not really concerned. All of those things, I came out of agreement with it. And so that image went went away. Now I have an image that Jesus is like, yeah, get her. She deserves it. She's bad. She's no good. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay. Distorted God image. Not accurate. That means subconsciously somewhere I was perceiving that God was mad at me disappointed and judging me going, yeah, she does deserve bad things. I mean, have you seen her? Like she's done really bad things. So I had to come out of agreement with those lies. I come out of agreement with the fact that God's judging me. He's mad at me. He's, you know, a judge or distant or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that night I didn't get another image. And it was like, well, then Jesus, what's the truth of, you know, you're there, but where were you? What was it actually looking like? The following Sunday, I'm worshiping and I'm in worship and I'm just loving the Lord, doing my thing. And all of a sudden I have this incredible vision and it was just like real. And I'm in worship and it's just this very real picture. And I feel like what I saw was Jesus back and his flesh was being ripped off with the cat tails and he was being ripped that by his stripes I'm healed. And he said, that's where I was. By his stripes, we are healed. I'm not always going to have the answers to every question I ask him. He's not always going to justify or defend himself or say stuff. You know, he gets to be sovereign. He's God. But he did come through in a way that made me love the cross a whole lot more. Because the cross is where I got freedom. And I was able to say, God, you've forgiven me of so much That I can't help but forgive others. I can't help but operate out of the place of my God is good. I don't understand the bad things. They shouldn't happen. But I can come into a place of receiving that my God is good. And that at the cross... His sacrifice was permanent, it was good, and there's no turning back. I don't understand to this day why that happened. But I have so much peace about it that I can tell a whole room full of ladies, and it doesn't affect me. It's just like, it's almost like you're telling a story about somebody else. You know? Because as long as it's a wound, as long as there's all these emotions that haven't been healed, we have pain pockets, we have stuff that we hold back, and we don't allow compassion and comfort and healing into As long as that's there, I wouldn't be able to tell that story. But when God comes in, I give him permission. I open the chamber of my heart to that area. Now I'm receiving healing salve, And then it becomes a scar. It doesn't go away. It affected me. It's going to shape a lot of my future in life, right? And it impacted me. It opened a door of sexual sin. That then I had a compulsion that I had to go and get boy attention Because that was my first introduction, my pre-programming Oh, that's where you get boys to pay attention to you Because somehow the enemy got me to believe That I had no worth, no value I was bad, dirty, and shameful So the only way you're ever going to feel pretty Is by getting a guy to flirt with you Or getting a guy to pay attention to you So I would feel like absolute, no good for nothing rotten But yet feeling pretty so then, imagine the condemnation. God, I'm going back to that very thing, like a dog returning to its vomit again. And so the next time I'm repenting, I'm like, oh my God, I did it again. I'm so sorry. And he protected me in it. I mean, he protected me like I can't even tell you. I mean, I did stuff that should have done just much worse to my life. But he continued to hold back and protect, even in the midst of the worst And I don't even have a pre-conversion story. Like, I don't get to say, oh, this happened, this happened, and then Jesus came into my life, and now I'm good. I knew Jesus since I was five. Like, I always loved him, always loved him, and I'm blatantly sinning, going back to the same vomit, again, and again, and again. And I loved him. (laughs) I loved the Lord, but there was an open door that I had no idea about. And that door, some people would call it a sexual sin, sexual immorality. That door had been opened, not by choice of me, but it had been open in my city. So I come out of agreement with sexual immorality and that door of sexual whatever. I do not give you permission to influence me or my generational line anymore in Jesus' name. Jesus, I thank you for closing that door. That is not mine to carry. And every time the enemy tries to bring something back, I get my righteous anger. And I go, it is written. Here's what God says. I am pure. I am virginal. I am innocent. And he likes me just the way I am. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. He's just nice and kind and good. And he sees us in the worst of our worst of our worst. And he loves And he loves and he loves and he gets it and he understands and he's not mad and he's not distant. He's not punishing. He's not saying, because you did that thing, I'm taking away all the good stuff in your life. Bad things are going to happen. You deserve that. Not at all. My God is so faithful that he not only redeems that area of my life. I mean, I feel like innocent. Like I feel like a little girl. God has so redeemed my innocence that it's like, it's a scar, right? It's not an open wound. It's not an issue I struggle with. Everything that I've shared this weekend, it's like, those are scars. Those are old things. It's like, oh man, praise the Lord. He can have it. And I've told him a thousand times. I'm like, Lord, you can have everything. I will be naked and ashamed because I want every woman to be free. And I'm going to do it first. I'm going to do transparency. Because you've delivered me. And how beautiful that Jesus walks around with the scar on his hand all the time. That where he was pierced for my transgressions, where he bled to give me my wine so I could be his fiance, he now calls me pure and spotless without wrinkle or blemish. And that's truth, not my feelings. There was a long time I felt dirty, bad, and I need to hide, all these things. But when he looks and he sees me, he sees the scar where the cross is enough. And I agree. (laughs) So no matter what red letter scar or red letter you think you have around your neck, whatever thing we think is so bad, our small version of the cross is our first problem. The cross is the coolest thing that's ever happened. Jesus is the most amazing, extravagant lover, pursuer of our hearts. And he can take somebody with absolutely the worst self-esteem on the planet, self-hatred, all the stuff I've shared, and more, let's be honest, and then turn me into somebody who likes me. I never could have said that sentence. Never. Uh-uh. No. I wanted to be someone else. And I grew up wanting to be an actress because in my head I'm like, Then I get to be somebody else. I want to be someone else. And I will do anything I can to be someone else because I don't like me. Now it's like I like me. And if that starts to kind of waver, then I start speaking from the Lord to myself. Shannon, you're my favorite. You're my love bug. I love you. You're sealed. You're beautiful. You're new. You're precious. I say that you're my bride. I'm waiting with anticipation For our wedding day. So irrespective of what the enemy makes me feel. It's my agreement with that feeling. Or it's me shutting that door to that old feeling. And going but it is written. Because one of the things the enemy did with Jesus. Is he said if you're the son of God. Right. He hid his identity. If you're the son of God. You know prove it. (laughs) Who do you think you are. Right? We hear that in our head all the time. If you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you're this, this, and this. Our identity is always being attacked by the enemy. Because he knows if I can take my eyes off of Jesus, off the splendor of the cross, I start looking at me, and that's not a lot to see. That's not a lot of hope. He gets me to focus on me, and I look at my own strength, my own ability, that's not a lot to talk about, right? But then I start agreeing with it. I start closing off and I start feeling like, and I go back to my old pre-program God image, that insecure feeling with God. And now I'm more likely to go back into whatever old nature, whatever old Egypt God's brought me out of. And before I know it, I am sabotaging my own life. The enemy really didn't have to do much, right? As the steward, I agree with the thought. I allow the mindset. I allow that distorted image of God to pop back up. I feel insecure with the Lord. I start going to false comforters instead of him. I usually isolate from good influences. Maybe I'm not really interested. I get offended and stop going to church or I don't really hang out with that group of girls anymore. Maybe I go over here and I'm like, yeah, this group accepts me. Or maybe I just isolate and stay in bed and stay in my depression and stay in that place. Either one aren't, aren't very good for me, right? Either one is going to leave me empty because I'm not getting my needs met in the right way. So now I'm not full. Now I'm looking to be full at a horizontal level, which leaves me unstable in all my ways. It may work for a while. I see it all the time where people are like, I'm having my delayed adolescence. I don't want to be married anymore. I'm going to go clubbing now. I don't want this life anymore. I don't want these kids crawling on me. I got married too young. I don't want this life. I see it all the time. And they're Christians. So that tells you, back up a whole bunch of stuff, this person who loved the Lord, and I genuinely believe believe they really loved the Lord. But maybe whole bunch of stuff backward here, real small, started with a thought, with a mindset, with a disconnect and a pulling away of my heart, not getting my needs met here. And before I know it, I'm back looking at a horizontal level. Your brain is trained to help you get your needs met. So back here in the dopamine region, the very thought of doing something that's going to make me feel better or feel good, it releases neurochemicals in my brain at the thought of it, that produces a drive. So now it's like a drive to do it. So people who are like, mmm, Krispy Kreme. Yeah, let's have Krispy Kreme. (laughs) Drive. Now I have a drive toward a behavior. Ooh, boy paying attention to me. Mmm, drive. And that's all without my conscious thought. It's now released a drive toward an old behavior because my brain is now recognizing I'm not getting my needs met. I need to start kicking in and making sure I get something, right? So that's a good clue whenever I have a drive or a compulsion towards something. Hey, Lord, what would you like to say about this? Before I make that decision, let's have a little conference call. Let's chat about that decision. Let's get back in our rational brain. And let's maybe back up and see... What thought, what heart issue, what wall, what door, what God image, what disconnect has happened, that before I get all the way down there and I'm leaving my kids and I get fired from a job I've been at for 10 years, I leave an amazing husband, I have a yuppie, cute, adorable family, I leave everything, and I'm living in a shanty apartment. Before I do that, maybe I'd come back here and I'd say, Lord, what do you say about me? Lord, who are you? What's the truth? What doors do I need to now take authority to start shutting and no longer listening to that broken tape? What doors of comfort do I need to open and receive the, bis- the gift basket that you'd love to give me? Way before all that stuff, we always look at the behavior, right? You know, the Old Testament is like, don't, you know, have adultery, don't murder, don't kill, don't steal, don't, you know, don't do all those things. Jesus is like, I'm stepping it up, guys. If you do it in your heart, you've already done it, right? So something about with our heart, that's thats way before I ever do that behavior. Even with self-harm and a whole bunch of other stuff, people, what's called habituate, which is they think about it to the point that they no longer elicit the feeling of fear or scared or whatever. So you've now trained your brain to start thinking, oh, that's a good idea, instead of a natural survival going, oh, bad, no, I don't want anything to hurt me. You can actually train your brain in such a way if we just continue to think the same thoughts that now it it ends up being a weird comfort. Depression has often been described as like a false comforter. Like it's something I go to because it gets me. It's like, yeah, like the little self-pity party where, yeah, yeah. My life is bad. It is rotten. I am going to dwell on this. Yeah, I'm going to focus on how bad it is. And that feels like a really good idea. There's a false comfort to that, right? Because I'm getting validation. I feel like it's rotten. And now I have that feeling that it is rotten and it validates my feeling. I'm getting comfort. Instead of, hey, Dad, I'm feeling really lonely. I feel like my life is just in the toilet right now. I really need your help. You're so sweet, and I appreciate you understanding and validating and getting it. Very different than the praise the Lord, praise the Lord, don't worry, not a big deal, whatever, where I don't receive any comfort. All this stuff just stays down here, a whole bunch of open doors, access points that I'm subconsciously not even aware of. And before I know it, I'm kind of inching toward a path where God's like, You don't have to go that way, sweet pea. I love you. That's not going to change but your destiny, your abundant life, the fullness, the things and the miracles and the exciting things I want you to do and share with you. You don't, you don't have to go that way. You can cuz I love you and I'm going to be with you. But that's not the road that I picked for you. We don't have to live that way. We can step back as the steward of our life. We can assess, how am I doing? Am I doing self-care? Am I getting a good group of people who love the Lord in my life? Am I getting good influences in my life? Am I surrounding myself with what the culture says and then trying to spiritually fight that battle, but I'm still filling my eye gate or my ear gate with contrary stuff? Am I staying in something that God's like, that's not the season for that. There's no grace over that choice right now. Am I staying in disobedience, in rebellion of I'll do it my own way? Obviously, God, you don't care about the desires of my heart. So (laughs) I'm just marrying him anyway. Or do I go, Lord, irrespective of how it feels, irrespective of the tight place that I'm in, the rock and the hard place, Lord, I trust that it's on the docket of heaven. You know the desires of my heart. You know, the disappointments, you know, this is another hard fall, God, but I trust that you will turn it together for good. When I come into that place, trust causes all those neurochemicals in the brain to release warm and fuzzy, nice, good things into my body. There's reassurance, just like what a parent would do with a little kid where they crawl on their lap and that little kid feels like, huh, it's going to be okay. Little kids don't have to know how, right? We drive them places and their little heads can't even see above the dashboard. And they're like, they just believe. It's just going to be okay because mom said it is. It just is. My dad's just going to do it and he will do it and I don't know how. Me doing this whole conference. I've not used my PowerPoints that were like my safety net. Whole time. And I felt like the Lord was like, Shannon, this is your act of faith. That you're going to open your mouth and you're going to believe me to back you up. So I can rely on my safety net, not sin, no big deal. God would not be mad, but he has greater. If I'll step into that place of trust, if I'll risk that place with him of being like, okay, Lord, (laughs) we're leading worship. I don't know what to say again. (sighs) How's that going to work? And he does it and he does it and he does it. If we would come into that place of secure attachment with him, I feel secure. I feel trust. And we make those steps, those risks. We walk into our destiny. And all of heaven is cheering. And they're going, yay, I knew you could do it. Yay, sweetheart, you're my favorite. You're doing great. I know you have carpool. I know you have 12 kids to take care of. I know you're homeschooling. I know you've got a thousand things in your life. I know. I get it. But baby, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I love you. And he looks at us with this rapture in his eyes. He's proud of us. Even when we mess up. Right? I remember I was at one point where I was like, God, I've messed up for so long. Like, (laughs) it was a long time. And so it was just like, I felt like I derailed all the plans of God. And it was like, I'm off in left court. You can't use me. You know, not that I ever felt like I could be used to begin with, but it's like for now, it's for sure. <laughs> I'm way over here, Lord. That's not happening. I'm no good for nothing. I'm rotten. All those things. And I remember the Lord giving me a picture, which, by the way, when I say this, I mean, I have to actually partner with him. Like I partner myself, talk partners with what God says. There's not this burning bush in my head where it's like, thus saith the Lord, you know, I have to come into agreement, open that door to him and say, yes, I love you back. You love me. It is written. Here's your word. And I speak it to Shannon. When I was in Hawaii all by myself and literally Jesus was all I had, I wrote flashcard after flashcard. And I wrote, "Right, yes, Shannon, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Jeremiah 31 3. So I would put me in it, and that's that declaration of faith. That's that boldness. That's coming to the throne with boldness. When I don't feel like I deserve it, when I haven't done anything good, I haven't impressed the Lord. I'm just this random girl. But here's your word, God, and I'm going to take you at your word. And I believe that's his love language, and he responds very quickly. My life shifted so quickly. Depression really lifted when I came into agreement by faith. There was a tenacity that God released on the inside of me that at first I was just like a puddle. I was easy. I was just like blown by every emotion. That then there's a tenacity that he releases where it's like, I'm done. I don't want to camp out there. I don't want to live there anymore. No more. I don't have to live like that. No matter what my feelings say, no matter what people have told me, no matter what identity I thought I had, whatever sin, The cross is enough, and so here's your word. And I repeat it back to him, to me, my name in it. That's an act of faith, and that is spiritual warfare. That's the best form of spiritual warfare. Because that gets you way before you can't pay your electric bill and life's falling apart, way earlier here, you're going, oh, man, I'm really glad we had that talk, Lord. Because I was feeling like for seven seconds that there was a disconnect and it was really uncomfortable. And I don't want that. So let's just talk about it and let's get it over with. God, I'm mad at you. Okay, thank you for sharing. Let's talk about it. Let's process. My processing is I journal and I just journal. Not that everybody needs to do it. God has a different relationship with everybody. Sometimes it was painting. But He would talk to me and I had to move my hand and I had to believe that what the impressions I was getting, because it wasn't an audible voice, the impressions, and I would write them. And then I would look for scripture. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, Lord. Like one time I painted this image of a guy and a girl. Okay, so not to weird you out, but she's naked. You don't see anything, but she's naked. And people get so weirded out by that. But the representation is, Shannon, you can come to me totally as you are. No shield, no fancy, no clothes, no this, okay, see what, you, No hiding. Like I get to come to Debbie and just be like, here's my insecurity. <laughs> Here's my flaws. Here's all this stuff. And so she's laying there. It's not provocative by any means. But he's got his left arm, I think it's, under her head. And he's wrapped around her, right? And then God showed me after I painted that that it's in, I believe, Psalms. Where the Lord says that he's wrapped his arm around her. It's either Psalms or Song of Solomon, sorry. (laughs) Song of Solomon. So he's wrapping his arm around the girl. And for me... As somebody who had so much shame, so much to hide, and I'm going to show you only the good stuff so that you like me. I don't think you want to see all this, God, so we'll keep that back there in that closet. Amazing for me to get to feel like I get to open all these doors. I don't have any closed doors. And if I do, I'm opening it the second I know about it because my lover wants to heal, restore, redeem, and now set me free so I can help set other people free. There's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no dirtiness. It doesn't have to be this long, hard thing. I remember when God would convict me and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so long and hard. And I would just be like, just come out of agreement. Just believe me. Trust me here. Some things are easier than others. Some are more pre-programmed in our brain and we have to walk those out a lot longer. Counseling is a great option. I'm just saying it's my profession. But... In that process, we will know the Lord at a whole new level. as we lean on his chest as our beloved. I feel the tangible presence of God. I walk into an atmosphere and it's like, I'm not alone. I've got my lover. He likes me. I feel my ring even now. We hold hands. There's tangible ways that the Lord connects with you that are very different than mine. My two love languages, predominant ones, are words of affirmation and touch. Funny thing. The way I experience the Lord is, Shannon, I love you. Shannon, you're my favorite. Shannon, you sparkle. Words of affirmation and touch. I feel like him holding my hand. Yours are going to probably be totally different. You might have little gifts, little things that come in your life that are just like, Lord, that was a gift from you. Thank you. So be on the lookout. God talks to each of us differently. It might just be quality time where we go on a date together and we sit on a beach. Well, in Grandbury, we're in Texas. I'm not in California. Um, Where I go and I just have a pretty place where I just enjoy quality time. Maybe I go golfing with him. Maybe I go shopping with him. Maybe I sit at Starbucks and we do it together. That's quality time, right? Every relationship needs to be cultivated. I'm not going to know the lover of my soul. And I sure shouldn't marry somebody if I don't know him. So I should sure get to know my fiance now as he's writing me love letters, which are scriptures. He's applying his word to my life. He's transforming me into something so beautiful and spectacular that I don't even recognize me. He's doing that for us every single day, but I have to come into agreement with the mindset in order to actually perceive it and recognize it. Because truth be told, I hear people's stories all day long. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, nothing good ever happens to me. And, yeah, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, didn't you just say this and this just happened in your life? I mean, that doesn't sound like a coincidence. That kind of sounds like a gift from the Lord. Wow, that kind of sounds like, you know. But we have to be with the mindset to agree with the concept that God is pursuing me. So I'm on the lookout. I'm looking for it. I'm aware. I'm going, oh, God, that's you pursuing me. I like you back. I feel a nice feeling. I go, yep, it's returned. I validate that you're awesome back. So that that's where I cultivate that inner awareness where now I'm picking up on the stuff he's probably been doing for years that I was totally unaware of. Because I'm looking over here going, I don't have this. I wish I had that. Why don't I have that? She always gets that. Why don't things always work out for her and not for me? Blah, 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 blah. I might be getting gifts from my lover all day long, but all I can see is, but it doesn't look like this. Why is it coming through for them and not for me? If I don't come into agreement and start recognizing when God is talking to me, I'm going to miss a majority of a whole bunch of cool stuff that he's always doing. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Like one time I was starting uh, my business. I was praying into it. I hadn't moved yet and I was driving and on my way to church, I'm already late. And a policeman pulls me over and I'm like, I just got on the road. Like I definitely couldn't be speeding. I have my seatbelt. I'm doing all the things I should. And I'm like, what in the world? He's like, hey, I want to let you know that you, uh, your registration is out or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know it was out. You know, like it was like a couple days or whatever. And I was like, that was really weird. And so I was like, Lord, what does that mean? Right? So I'm asking him, I'm bringing it to him. Because I'm expecting him to say nice things and not mean things. I'm not going, because I'm late, bad things are happening. I didn't have my quiet time, so see something bad happened, right? When I drive to church, then I ask an older woman that I trust in the faith, and I ask her. She prays with me, and she's like, I feel like the Lord's saying, as you go into your business, he's got your back. That as a new business owner, you're not going to know a whole bunch of stuff. And God's saying he will, as an, uh, a government official, a policeman, was a representation of somebody who's watching out for you saying, hey, just so you know, you need to get your registration changed. I didn't even get in trouble. Nothing bad happened. I could have taken that as, oh, see, I'm late. Oh, you know, Henri, and I could have just whatever. That was a sweet gift from the Lord. When she said it, it was like a gut check of like, oh, God, you've got my back. Wow. You've got my back. There's all kinds of things we walk around and we don't even know that we're doing. And we're like, oh. The other day, I can't practice without a license, right? The other day, I'm filling out an application for something randomly. I should, in my head, Shannon's head, focus on the conference, focus on the conference. I mean, I've been like, whoa, focusing on the conference. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I start working on this application for something. And I'm like, what in the world? It asks me my license as a psychologist. When does my license expire? Well, it's 10 p.m. now on August 30th. It expires August 31st at 12 a.m. If I don't re-up that, I'm practicing without a license. All of a sudden, that that derail of my day, I'm supposed to be working on the conference. Here's the things. God, here's my agenda. Don't interrupt. (laughs) All of a sudden, he's like, hey, holy highlighter, this is something you need to address. Just like the policeman who said, hey, just so you know, registration's out. It wasn't about my car, right? It was a representation to let you know, Shannon, I've got your back. I re-upped my license. I'm good. So I could have been operating without a license. But God intervened through interruptions and different stuff. And instead of just getting mad at the Lord, I'm asking questions, right? Right? It wouldn't have helped if I just got frustrated at the policeman but didn't ask somebody to pray with me that I trust a wise counselor in the Lord who was able to share her interpretation of what she thought it was. So that's happening all the time, interruptions, little things. Those are actually a lot of times I think kisses on the cheek where it's like, sweetheart, I know you're going to go into some stuff that's going to scare you. So here's a word of encouragement. Here's a representation in your life before you even embark on that. That you can hang on to. For me, as an extrovert, I want friends, right? That is my like, yay, I love it. Like, it feeds me. That's my energy source. I have been, again, in the wilderness for about four months. I had all my friends in Dallas. I moved here, and it was just dry. And usually in my life, that's usually when God's preparing me for my next leap. And I could get mad at him, and I could get disappointed. And God, you know this is what I need, God, why are you holding out on me? Why aren't you meeting my needs? I'm trying everything. I'm going to every small group I can find. I'm doing whatever I can to meet people. And it was just nothing, nothing, nothing. If you rewind, I have a friend that I really trust in the Lord. She prays with me. And she prayed and she's like, Shannon, I feel like you're going to go through a dry season and the Lord's not going to bring community into your life until after your conference. I was like, I don't receive it. That's not from God. No. No. I've had enough wildernesses. And lo and behold, God told me a nice word so that I would be prepared. Because as an extrovert, I want to play with people, right? I want to do all this. I don't want to sit by myself for hours and I work. I'll do 10-hour days. I will work and work and work. So if I don't do this part now, I'm going to get up here and go, "Hmm?" and not be prepared for my next battle my next adventure and risk with the Lord. So recognizing the season you're in, recognizing the precursor, God might be speaking into that situation. Hey, Lord, I know I'm going to have a transition soon. What would you like to say about that? I can pray about it. I can ask other people to pray. I can look in scripture. I would say all the above. Safety in a multitude of counselors, right? I'm looking for the Lord to talk to me. I'm coming with a spirit of expectancy going, my God is for me. He wants me in my promised land. He's not mad and disappointed and trying to leave me in the wilderness. He actually really likes us as children. And so he likes to bring us into our promised land because that's where we're sparkling. That's where we're actually demonstrating the power of God. That's where we're shining and we're lights and we're helping bring other captives out. But most of the time in the wilderness... We get disappointed, we get dejected, we go, am I still here, Lord? The Lord's promised my husband for about 15 years. So, for me, people will always ask, hey, how's that going? (laughs) Because I've been bold and I've told them and I'm like, this is what God said. If it's the same God that resurrected Jesus and he told us about 600 years before approximately in Isaiah that he was going to bring the Messiah and Messiah came, just like he said, maybe that's the still God who's going to keep his word here too. So through multiple confirmation, not just one willy nilly, multiple confirmation, including my own heart, my wise counselors, scripture, all kinds of avenues. The Lord has confirmed that he's coming. Every girl I know is married, but me. And I celebrate with them and I cheer them on and I go, rah, rah, I'm so happy for you because I am fully persuaded that he who began the good work in me will complete it into the work of Christ Jesus. So every promise he has said is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So I know that I know that I know that the God who promised the Messiah was coming, that he's the same God yesterday, today and tomorrow. And he's not going to break his promise, even though there's a delay. Abraham was tested just by delay. He didn't even have a whole bunch of battles like Joshua. Like Moses had a whole bunch of complaining people to be a leader of. Like they had a lot. Abraham, it was delay. Will you hang on to my faithfulness? Will you hang on when it's desert? So when people ask, I'm like, well, God promises. But right now all I see is the sand of the wilderness of the waiting. And so in the waiting place, I cultivate relationship with the Lord so that I'm not in need. I'm not lacking. So then when people are like, Oh my gosh, I want to set you up with so-and-so. I ask the Lord about it. I don't feel a peace about it. And I don't, you know, ideally one day I actually will. That would be great. But I also don't want to get distracted because I know in this season, that's not on the agenda of heaven for this moment. Right now, my agenda has been the conference. After this, I'm going to ask him, Lord, what's my next agenda? Because I need to be in constant fellowship where every season he's giving me a word now, a rhema word, right? That in that Kairos moment, I know now what I need to know, right? That I'm not living in the yesterday or the tomorrow, that I hold on to the promise that is to come, but I'm living in today. So I'm going to cultivate my city here. I'm going to enjoy my life here. I'm going to have fun with my girlfriends. I'm going to go and travel. I'm going to go white water rafting in a couple of weeks. I have lots of fun things. I don't have to live like a beggar or a poverty or a woe is me. God's not coming through. Oh, man, why me? Everybody gets their answer, just not me. I could. God would love me. He would still be like, yeah, I love you, Shannon. You don't have to live like that. You know? I don't have to live like that. I can choose on this side to be like, yay, God, thank you for the girlfriends you have provided this weekend. So I went through a whole bunch of wilderness and out of the blue, the Lord just brought a whole bunch of great, amazing girls, not out of the blue, but (laughs) this weekend was like the most people time I've gotten in months. What a gift from the Lord, right? So I just would love to encourage all of us to recognize that we're just in a season. It's just right now. Whatever the delay, whatever the hardship, whatever the rock and the hard thing behind us, whatever mountain, whatever Goliath, it's just right now. And if we'll be like Joshua and Caleb who say, yeah, my God can do it. Yeah, God, I mean, God, yeah, he can do it. I don't care that they're 12 feet tall, you know. I don't care that this is whatever in my life that I can't do. Sure. But you're talking about God. God can. So I'm going to bring God into the battle and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, maybe I can't. Maybe intimidation is trying to make me feel small, incapable. I can't do this. But I'm going to go, but my God can. So bring it because my God can. And that's where that warrior on the inside of us is being birthed, that we're not just pretty princesses, but we're princesses who are also in war and we know that my God is good, he's faithful, he's trustworthy, irrespective of what right now looks like the snapshot of my life when Paul's like this temporary hardship, will not even compare to the exceeding glory that we can't even fathom, hope, dream, imagine. Oh my gosh, perspective, so worth it, hanging in there. One of the pictures God gave me, and I'll close with this, I know you guys are probably tired, But one of the pictures God gave me is that we're all at like an amusement park and there's this amazing roller coaster and it's like, oh my gosh, Shannon, I can't wait for you to ride this incredible roller coaster. It's designed just for you. It's your destiny. It's something that's going to just make you light up. It's going to be like phenomenal. So awesome. But I have to wait in line. I'm like at Six Flags or Disneyland. And that line is like forever. And maybe I'm that close where I can see it. You know, you're like only 20 yards away from the actual ride itself, the physical thing that you're hoping on. But now the line goes this way. And I'm like, Lord, I want to be there. Why am I going this way? Why is my life taking a crooked turn here? God, why am I leaving my work to go on the mission field now? This makes absolutely no sense. God, why am I taking this menial job that has nothing to do with my call, my destiny, my gifting? I hear that every day. Well, God really wants me doing this. And so I just shouldn't even work my menial job anymore. Why am I even doing this? Well, sure, you can do it your way. And what I picture is kind of like, you know how they have those little clicky ropes? That I can come out of the rope and I can do it my way. God's going to love me. But if I do it my way, now I've come my own way and I'm more likely to get in the the knobs and the rings and it's going to hurt and it's going to be bad because I'm not getting in the seat and actually getting on the roller coaster the way you're supposed to ride it because I'm striving, I'm manipulating, I'm people pleasing or I'm getting next to the right person that I'm supposed to be so that they'll you know, promote me and do that thing that I want. I'll get the right job. I'll get that right ministry. I'll get that right anointing. I'll get that right whatever. I can do it my way. Or I can go, Lord, I think I'm trying to do it my own way again. Would you forgive me? Thank you. I receive your forgiveness. I'm getting back in line. And the way the Lord showed me, is kind of like I said, that I felt like I was so off in left park. I was way disqualified. I'm way over here. And God was just like, yeah, but when you're with me, and you say, oh, Daddy, I apologize. I come out of agreement with that. I repent for whatever. Come back in agreement. I'm now back in line exactly where I'm supposed to be. He redeems. He restores like no other. I mean, how neat that Mary Magdalene, the person that probably sinned more than anybody on the planet, Like she had all these demons, she had all these sexual partners, she had all this stuff going on, and yet she's the first evangelist. That's pretty solid to know. I can be off and left park. You know she knew the the testament, right? She lived in a very Hebrew culture where she knew, she knew, she knew. Like me, I grew up in the church. I knew, I knew, I knew, and yet I was willfully sinning. No pre-conversion. That was a Christian who was willfully choosing to sin and disobey. I came back into agreement with repentance. And now I get to be up here happy, excited, in love with Jesus, in love with you, and you getting to hear more of Jesus' love. Now I'm back in line, and it's long. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, and it's counterintuitive. The first shall be last. If you want to lead, you're going to serve. I mean, he doesn't really do things that make sense to us. (laughs) He's kind of counterintuitive in most of what he does. So if we'll just be girls who encourage ourselves and others to stay in line, to keep on being faithful in the dry, in the nothing, in the... I mean, Lydia is a great example. (laughs) She flinched. Of somebody who's just been faithful. She served. She served and she served and she served. In that place of service, we know with God... I mean, she's like royalty. It's like, let's get her signature because those who want to be great will become servants of all, right? I mean, she's doing it God's way. I mean, she's kind of like amazing superstar in heaven. They're like, yeah, love her. (laughs) So as she's just been faithfully plodding along, nobody praising her, nobody doing anything, her just being faithful to the territory God gave her, stewarding her city, using her gifts to the glory of God, just doing her part. We don't know in heaven what incredible thing he's going to unveil and be like, Lydia, I can't wait till you see it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And my belief is that we have a destiny here as well as in heaven. Is that as I wait on the Lord, as I'm faithful and I till my soil and I don't look back and miss Egypt... But I just keep being faithful and tilling my soil, doing my territory, taking care of my city, stewarding it. I can trust the Lord to do the rest. The mentors I want, me doing this speaking engagement, totally a desire of my heart that I never would have admitted out loud. God did it. I didn't strive. I didn't connect with the right people. I didn't even promote myself. It's one of those things of somebody said something, something, and then now it happened. So God promotes Those who've been faithful, right? You steward your little bitty and he trusts you with great. So for me, I've been stewarding my little bitty for a whole long time. You know, I've been doing therapy for years. I've been encouraging something similar to this, but on a one-on-one for many years before I ever stepped on a stage. And I'm sure, unfortunately, I'm going to go back in line and I'm going to go through some more waiting, some more character, some more just being faithful and plodding along until another day where he's going to be like, and promotes. And that's how he does it. I don't strive. I don't manipulate. I don't control. I don't make it my way. But I go, yes, Lord, I'm just going to be faithful because I love you. Because every day I'm getting a full heart where I live in fullness. The people are part of my abundance. And so I'm happy. I like my life. And even though I have a desire for a whole bunch of stuff in my future, I can hope for that by faith, but it doesn't steal from the joy of today that there's a whole bunch of cool things today that I don't want to miss out on. If I'm stuck on the past of, oh, this, this, and this stealing from today, if I'm stuck on the future of, well, praise God when that happens, when that's, you know, when I finally get married, when I get that job, when I get that, whatever, when, whatever your thing is, that's stealing from today. I can absolutely 100% be so excited for my future, I can't even breathe about it. I'm just like, oh, yay, because I know that you're great, Lord. But also, you have great things today. Today's fun. Today, I get to enjoy you. Today, I get to go for a walk with you and have you tell me how great I am, and I get to tell you back how great you are. We get to love each other. I get to walk by somebody, and she's like, oh, you're really beautiful. I feel like God just really loves you. I just want you to know that Okay, lord, let's keep going on our walk, you know, like I get to just do life with him every day out of fullness Which causes abundance that overrunning my quality of life is so much higher than back there in egypt Where it was safe and comfortable and familiar But I had a whole bunch of doors And I was stewarding my city very poorly through lack of knowledge, which is most of us So as we get knowledge, we talk to him about it. We read books We get wise counselors, we pray, we do whatever we can, we steward our city well so that for our city, everybody's is going to look different. I just shared mine to be, you know, transparent and let you know kind of some of the journey for me. It's going to look different for all of you. But I expect that there are fabulous, anointed, amazing men and women of God who are in this place and I can't wait till we're in heaven and I'm like getting your autograph going, oh my gosh, you're that person. Oh my gosh! Like, we don't know the greatness inside of us that only God knows. So, if I go, oh, but not me, who am I? I'm an unworthy. Lies, lies, lies. Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. It feels true, feels comfortable, feels familiar. But it's also separating me from my relationship with my destiny. And that was my last point that we have relationship with God, relationship with self, relationship with others. We have a relationship with our destiny, where I'm now destiny-minded. And I'm going, okay, Lord, how is today part of my destiny? Well, if I pick up trash and I help a janitor, am I serving? That's great in the kingdom of God, right? If I help pick up kids at the carpool, ah, that's making someone else's day easier. That's faithfulness, right? If I smile at somebody, even if they're not very nice to me, Heaping coals on their head, first of all. But I'm also showing love when it's not given, right? Because it's easy to love someone who loves you. But if somebody doesn't love you, that's the kingdom of God being advanced. When you're joyful, you're loving, and you're doing faithfulness when it's not easy. So I would encourage you to recognize God has an incredible plan for every single one of our lives. We are his favorite. He's crazy about us. And we can be secure in the fact that this relationship really is abundance. And we can walk around with our heads up, Now we can be confident, we can believe the truth of scripture, we can be hopeful for the roller coaster he has, our destiny, and even as we're serving in faithfulness when nobody sees, he sees. And-